Amen. You may be seated. Hmm. First scripture I want to read as we start is from John eight thirty one to thirty eight. It's a little bit different sermon this morning. I was highlighting one crucial element of being a disciple of Christ. So first John eight thirty one to thirty eight. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you will say you will become free? And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 17. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Gentiles eat pork chops. Remember? Verse 12. Put on then, this is flowing out, application of, of the gospel, what he calls us to because of what He's done for us. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Thus far God's Word. Let's pray together. Lord, take Your Word and do Your work. May the Holy Spirit take the Word of God and either create faith and repentance so that someone turns and comes to Christ this morning or sustain and grow faith and repentance in those of us who know you. Be at work in us powerfully. Accomplish all of your purpose. Work in us to love you, to trust you, 
to joyfully obey you because of the sacrifice of Christ for us. Lord, I pray for your help to preach your word in the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for your help for us to hear your word in the power of the Spirit. Bless the preaching and the hearing of your word. Lift high your son. Transform your church. We give you all the praise and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Follow me. You heard that repeated in the scriptures that I read in the scripture reading. Follow me. What does Jesus mean? Follow me. When he's there in, in the presence of the original disciples that are there, or the people that he's calling to himself, he says, follow me. Over and over. That was Jesus' call to his first disciples, and it is his call to us. So we want to know, what does it mean to follow Jesus? How can I follow Jesus more faithfully in 2021 than maybe I have in 2020? You know, when Jesus told the first disciples, and you, I just read a few of them, when he said, follow me, he literally meant, put it down and come and follow me. Follow me down the dusty roads of Israel. Hear me teach. See what I do. See my miracles that you might be truly my disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple in short is a student or a learner. So when Jesus calls us to follow Him, He calls us to be His student, to be His learner. Joe Carter in the Table Talk magazine said this, A disciple is a follower, one who trusts and believes in a teacher and follows that teacher's words and example. Therefore, to be a disciple is to be in a relationship. It is having an intimate, instructive, and imitative relationship with the teacher. When Jesus calls us to be His disciple, He calls us to learn from Him and to follow Him and to follow His example. Obviously not in being God or what it means is He has a divine nature, but as a human nature, as a man, as the second Adam, He lived in submission to His own law and to the Father so that He walked in obedience out of joy because of His love for the Father. But Jesus called those disciples to follow Him around that they might learn from Him and put His teachings into practice and spread those teachings to others. And He calls us to do the same. And we wonder how we do that. We'll talk about that this morning. But a disciple is one who listens to, learns from, and growingly obeys Jesus. We listen to Him in His Word. We learn from Him in His Word. And we obey Him by obeying His Word. So when He calls us to follow Him, when He calls us to be His disciple or His student, He's calling us to be one who is shaped by His teaching and practices what He teaches us because of His grace. 
You know, I read from Colossians. And you know, Colossians is the same with Ephesians and some other epistles that, you know, in the first couple of chapters, you get the gospel. You get what has been done for us. You get Christ has lived for us, died for us, been raised for us, is reigning for us. He died for us to pay for our sins, to pay the penalty that we deserve to pay. Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. He was buried and He was raised the third day according to the Scriptures. Which proves He is the Son of God. Which proves the Gospel is true. That God loved the world in this way. He gave us His Son. Not just to live for us, but to die for us. To take not just physical death, but condemnation due our sin. He took our hell upon Himself that we might not have to face it. He took the wrath of God due our sin upon Himself. That's why He came to die. To make an atonement for His people's sin. And all of the lambs and all of the sacrifices of the Old Testament simply point us forward to the true Lamb of God who would come and really and actually deal with our sin. Jesus has done that. So He has died for our sins. He has lived for our righteousness. He's been raised and now calls us to faith in Him. And when He calls us to faith, He's calling us the same way. Follow me. Follow me. You remember in our study, we're in the, if you're new to Grace Church, we're in the middle of a study of the book of Ecclesiastes and what we've been repeating over and over and over and over is that Solomon's point is, look above the sun. Live from above the sun. Look to the Lord who reigns and will judge. Keep His commandments out of joy and love for Him because everything here is hevel. Everything here is temporary. Nothing here can sustain your joy, your peace, your satisfaction, your hope. Live above what is temporary, ethereal, and able to sustain you. Look above the sun, fear God, and live for Him. How? 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 Well, Ecclesiastes at the end especially tells us by keeping His commandments. Right? Now we know that we can't keep His commandments to make ourselves righteous with Him. That's why Jesus had to come and die. But then He calls us to... Obey Him out of love for Him because of the grace He's given us in Christ. So we never make ourselves acceptable to God by what we do. But our response is a response of love to Him in order to follow Him and put into practice what He tells us in His Word. To joyfully keep His Word. To be like we'll talk Psalm 119 where the, the Lord gives us a new heart when He saves us. And the new heart loves His law. Loves His Word prizes it over money and stuff, wants to keep it with all of its heart and grows in doing so. So today, looking forward to 2021, I want us to rededicate, recommit, reprioritize growth and grace. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you're trusting in Jesus, it should be your passion to love Him and live for Him. And that's what I'm emphasizing today. How do we prioritize growth in Christ? By prioritizing growing in the Word. Knowledge of the Word. Hiding the Word in our hearts so that we what, might not only not sin against Him, but that we might love Him and live for Him who has been so gracious to us and saved us. 
So the main point I want you to take away, it's a challenge to me and to you this morning. And if you're, if you're not following Christ, if you're not trusting in Christ, my challenge to you this morning is to come to Christ, to repent of your sins and trust Jesus to receive Him as your Savior. That's the starting point. But those of us who know Him is mainly where I'm focused this morning. And it's, the main point is be a true disciple of Jesus by living in and being shaped by His Word. Be a true disciple of Jesus by living in and being shaped by His Word. And I'm going to sort of look at just two texts this morning. I read them in context, so I won't reset that very much. But uh, first I want to look back at John 8.31. Then we'll look at Colossians 3.16. I told you, this is a different kind of sermon this morning. I promise you I'm not violating the context of either one of these passages. Feel free to go check that out. But number one, the first thing I want us to see in the first text I want us to look at is John 8, 31. Following Jesus means abiding in His Word. See, here we have a test of our claim to believe in Jesus and to be His disciple. We have a test of our claim to follow Him. And it is, do we abide in His Word? Are you abiding in the Word of Jesus. You might and not even know it if you don't know what abide means and we're going to deal with that a little bit. But look what Jesus said. Now in verse 31, and this is very important, in verse 31 when it says Jesus said this to the Jews who had believed in Him. This is a mixed crowd. This is a crowd, for the most extent, there are people that claim at least to believe in Jesus. This is a crowd of professors, Right? And Jesus is going to give them a test. And it seems like Jesus always makes it harder, not easier on people. Don't? Just weeding out the faults. Just weeding out the faults, that's all. But Jesus said this to people who had claimed to believe. How do I know this is a mixed, mixed crowd? Because it doesn't take very long for some of them to start arguing with Him. Right? And later on, He's going to tell them, or they're going to accuse Him of having a demon. That's not a real follower of Jesus. Making an accusation like that. So there, this is a mix. Believers and unbelievers. Followers and non-followers. Those who've had a, a, a case of temporary excitement and those who, in whom God is really is at work. Now watch what Jesus says. He's going to give them a test of their discipleship and He's going to give us a test of our discipleship. And let me just pause before I go forward. When you hear that word disciple... There are some quarters in Christianity that would tell you you can be a believer and not be a disciple. The disciple is sort of a second tier step if you're really serious about it. That kind of teaching will land you in hell. A believer is a disciple. And the Christians were known as disciples until Antioch when they were first called Christians. To be a disciple is to be a Christian. And not to be a disciple is not to be a Christian. When Jesus says, follow me, the Spirit's at work in the hearts He's calling so that they follow Him. Now what? But watch, He gives us a test of our discipleship. Take the test. Don't tune out on me. Listen to me. It's a real danger that some of you might be thinking you're following Christ and you're really not. Some of you might be following Christ really and not know it. You know, some have tender hearts and struggle with assurance and some have no struggle over assurance and they're not even Christians. 
That was part of this crowd, this mixed crowd. That's life in the church. Man, if you think everybody in here knows Jesus every time you come in here. I mean, and, and it's not always just people are being especially bad. Some of our kids haven't come to Christ yet. Right? We want them to come to Jesus. Some adults haven't. Some think they have and haven't. On and on it goes. But look at what test Jesus gives. Now watch what he says. He says uh, this. He said this to this crowd. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you, if you abide, this, if this is true, this is true. If you abide in my word, then you are truly my disciples. And he goes on to say, if you know the truth and the truth will set you free. That comes through abiding in the word. So what if you're not abiding in the Word, class? What would be the conclusion? Don't be afraid to say it. Yeah, you're not a disciple. It scares me to death when I'm talking to Christians and I'm trying to get people to... And I know there's a lot of reasons why you don't come to Bible study. I, I get it. But if somebody says, that's not my thing, I want to shake them. And say, it is your thing if you know Jesus. You might not be good at it, but we'll help you with that. But if you are a Christian, Bible study is your thing. Abiding in the Word is your thing. You might not have been taught that. You might have been given an easy route and nobody asks a lot of you. But Jesus says, if you abide in my Word, there's a condition there. Then you are my disciple. We don't become His disciples by abiding in His Word. That's the work He does in us as He brings us to faith in Christ and gives us a new heart that now loves His Word. And I mean, I can only tell of what I felt when I came to Christ. And I had no idea what all was going on in my life. My friends thought I was going crazy and I probably I thought a little bit about the same. But one thing I remember distinctly is this guy who wanted nothing to do with church people and nothing to do with preaching and nothing to do with the Word, suddenly wanted everything to do with those things and had a thirst for the Word of God and came to a lot of wrong conclusions, needed people to help with that. But I was thirsty for it. Are you thirsty for it? Are you abiding in it? Don't be afraid to be real with yourself. A true disciple abides in his word, and that means in the entirety of his teaching. The entirety of his teaching. Are you abiding in the word? And you say, I don't know. Won't you tell me what that means? Abiding in the word. Okay, I will. This word here for abide means to remain in or continue in. It's used of making one's home in a certain place. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but what? By every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Has God changed your heart so that you desire even to look in His book? Do you desire His word? If not, be honest with yourself. But it's like going to the doctor and having your vital signs checked and your heart's beating 14 times a minute. That's bad. It's a bad sign if you have no desire for the Word. Because he says a disciple 
a follower, one that God is at work in saving, has abides in it. Finds life in it. Interprets everything through it. And, and again, we need help. We're not all there. But, you know, it, it, we don't just... To have a Bible and set it on the coffee table is not a sign of being a Christian. It's just a sign of living up to expectations somebody has. I mean, when we were converted, Cindy had a Bible that she got somewhere. Kindergarten. Okay. I was 26. She was 24 at that point. She got this Bible in kindergarten. The pages were still stuck together. That's not saying anything bad about her. I didn't even have one. I mean, I found Bibles that were people's Bibles after they passed away and they were still stuck together. Having a Bible, having it just brings more condemnation. If you have it and you don't look in it. It's, it's, it's having it, your heart in it. It's, you're, you're in the Word. I, I have a burden for you this morning. I live with a burden for you. I live with a burden for me. It scares me to death when you don't desire His Word. And when you hear it and something in your life is going this way and somebody tries to help you and show you what the Word says, and you continue going that way. Abiding in His Word is remaining in it, continuing in it, being at home in it, drawing life from it. If you abide in My Word, you are truly My disciples. If you don't abide in My Word, you're not. But that's okay. Repent and become one today. See, abiding in Jesus' Word is, is more than just having it, and it's more than just reading it. It's loving His Word and continually being in it, believing it and holding fast to it and growing through it because you love God in response to His grace. Being His disciple is not occasionally reading His Word, Because somebody makes you feel guilty if you don't. Being His disciple is not having a struggle in your life, so now we're going to do everything God tells us to do, so He'll get us out. Or taking the Word and you get up and say, Lord, show me what to do today. Judas hanged himself. (laughs) Go and do thou likewise. No. 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 It's reading it. Systematically so that you understand it and hiding it in your heart. Now, obviously, not many of us are going to memorize the whole Bible, but, you know, there there are guidance for you on memorizing segments of Scripture that apply to certain struggles. If you tend to be a worrier like me, Matthew 6 and some other places are going to be really important to you. Abiding in the Word is loving it and continually being in it, believing it, holding fast to it. Why? Because through it I know Him. Through it I have a relationship with Him. He is shaping me. The Spirit works through the Word so that I grow in obedience. Heart check. This is why we read through Psalm 119 a long time ago. Not a long time ago. This past year. Is so that we could see how over and over and over the psalmist said things like, Oh, how I love your law. Oh, how I delight in your word. It's more valuable than silver or gold. Oh, that my ways lined up with it. Teach me your word. Over. 
And when God saves us, He gives us that kind of heart. Not a perfect heart, and a heart can grow cold, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. We need others to help us. But He gives us a heart for Him and a heart for His Word. So the illustration, one of them would be the psalmist in Psalm 119. And I would just say, has God given you a love for His Word? Has He caused you to trust in His Word? Has He caused you to feed on His Word and grow through His Word? Not just alone. Your, your, your daily reading at home is important. But then as you get together with other believers and, and study the Word together, especially this is the main means of grace, as weak as I feel and as weak as it is, is the Word preached. God, God is at work in you. Genuine faith follows Jesus by living in His Word. Genuine faith thirsts for the Word. It draws life from the Word, from Him. Genuine faith never departs from or grows past His Word. Genuine faith holds tight to Jesus' Word. Genuine faith lives above the sun, our study in Ecclesiastes. True disciples abide in the Word. Sinclair Ferguson said this, and if you don't know who he is, I would encourage you to begin to know who he is. He's one of those guys who has this Scottish accent that immediately has an advantage over us because he, he sounds really smart. But he sounds really smart because he is really smart. He said this, In a nutshell, abiding in Christ. Now watch, if you didn't get my definition, he'll tell you. In a nutshell, abiding in Christ means allowing His Word to fill our minds, direct our wills, transform our affections. In other words, our relationship to Christ is intimately connected to what we do with our Bibles. Are you a true disciple of Christ? That's the same thing as me asking you, are you a believer in Christ? I'm not asking you if you believe that Christ is the Son of God, that He died, that He was buried, that He was raised from the grave, that He saves a lot of people who trust in Him. The devil knows that, and I'm not trying to offend you. I'm asking you if you believe He is your Savior. Are you trusting in Him for your forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God? Are you a true disciple of Christ? Do you have this kind of faith that looks to the Word and is directed by the Word and transformed by the Word? Gets to know Jesus through... There's no other way to get to know Jesus or to walk with Him than through His Word. You might think you have your own thing, but that's deception. This is your thing. If you claim to be a follower of Christ, if you want to know if it's real, this is your thing. The original audience Jesus was speaking to were people who made a profession of faith. Some, it was a fickle faith. A self-centered faith, not a word-centered faith. Some of them, even later, as I said, and even later you'll see it in verse 48 if you go read there, accused him of having a demon. But following Jesus is, means living in and by his word. Some of you are not doing that. And I'm calling you to it today. 
It's the most loving thing I can do to tell you to get real with Jesus. Because if, if you're lost, you need to know it. And if you're saved, you need to grow in it. And you'll find the gospel in the Word and may He convert and convict you. Or you'll find His grace in the Word and be confirmed and grow in it. But there are no shortcuts. He's not doing this private revelation stuff anymore. He can give you feelings and all this kind of stuff and you'll feel It's in the Word. Are you in the Word? So the first point is... Following Jesus means abiding in the Word. Conclude, if you're not abiding in the Word, you're not following Jesus. Follow me, is His cry. How much do I have to read every day so I know I'm following Him? You know that's the wrong question, don't you? That's the, that's the desire for the checklist. No, just some of you need to read five verses a day. Some of you need to read five chapters a day. We're all different. And there's a danger in a read through the Bible in a year program. You don't hear me preachers say that, do you? Because you can just blow through those three chapters, check it off and move on and be unchanged. No, whatever pace. That's why we have a two-year program. That's why I'm going to show you another program here in a minute. So just, you just need to be in the Word. Following Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus means abiding in His Word. Secondly, following Jesus means having His Word abide in us. And I'm really just saying, sort of flipping and saying the same thing from Colossians 3.16. I just wanted you to see Jesus say it and one of His apostles say it. But we read Colossians 3.16 in, in context. Now I want to just look straight at the verse. A lot more could be said. But again, this is one of the outflows of the first two chapters. The, the, the gospel and God's grace and coming to faith in Christ. Now what does God require of us since He's brought us to faith in His Son? What does He require of us? And you can see all sorts of outflow of that as you read chapters 3 and 4. Tell us to focus above. You've been raised with Christ. Set, set your hearts. Seek the things above. Set your hearts on the things above. Verse 5, put to death what is earthly in you, the sin. On and on we go. We said what to put on. It's always put off and put on, by the way. But then in verse 16, one of the things we need to put on is the Word. Look what it says. Let, now that can be deceiving. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and on it goes. But really, I'm just right there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, that sounds like give it permission, doesn't it? Or just sort of let it happen. You know, there was this whole thing in the church about let go and let God. There's a Greek word for that. Hogwash. Peter says, make every effort to grow in grace, right? Anyway, but right here, this is English's struggle with third-person imperatives or third-person commands. How do we communicate those? But this is a command, and it singles out each and every one of us in the form of that command. 
It's a third person singular present active imperative or command if you want to know that kind of stuff. But each one of you are to do this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let me just transform it for you. Be filled with His word. Be being filled with His word. So you're active in that. You're not just sitting back. Okay, Lord, I'm going to let it happen. Throw it at me. No. The way we let it happen is to get our nose in the books and be disciples. Be active in being filled with the Word of Christ. And the Word of Christ is Christ's teachings and the teachings about Him, which means the whole Bible. You know this from, from, from Genesis to Maps is about Jesus, right? Starts in Genesis early on and comes all the way through. And Jesus even, you know, I wanted to be on the road to Emmaus and hear that sermon where He took them and showed them all how He's the subject of the whole book. But anyway, just got to move quickly this morning. The Word of Christ is Christ's teaching and the teaching about Him, which means the whole Bible. Some, this is the only time Paul says Word of Christ like this, but other places he says Word of God or Word of the Lord. Right? Same thing. Christ didn't just begin to exist in His incarnation. He was there in Genesis 1 and that's John's point in chapter 1 and so much more I could say. But the Word of Christ is this Word. The Word of Christ. And what, what we're being commanded, not just suggested, it's being commanded that we have it dwell in us. And look, there's another word there. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you occasionally. Well, there's nothing up there, so let... <laughs> Richly. Richly. Overflowingly. This word implies fullness and completeness of God's Word for all of life. It implies that you need an abundant supply of God's Word. It's telling you to gorge yourself on the Word. Hey, you know what it's like to eat a lot of food? I asked a room full of people and a live stream full of people who just came through Thanksgiving and Christmas. Now, there's a grace for feasting as long as it's not all year long. But I'm telling you, when, the, when that Thanksgiving meal comes out or that Christmas meal comes out, and hopefully you're blessed enough to partake in that, well, I'll just have a little bite of this and a little bite of that and, a little, and I'm done. Cindy's like, yeah, right. No, we tend to have to get three paper plates and put them together because if we're using them, they're going to fall apart. We've got a mountain of food. That's what Tom go Lingo. Kids will understand. Pig out. Pig out on the Word. That's what the verse is telling us. Pig out on the Word. Let it, not just let it dwell in you, but let it dwell in you richly, fully, overflowingly. Work at it. And you, listen, go back to the first one. If you're a Christian, that's what you're called to. None of you get a pass. And if, you, if you're not desirous of it, just listen. Don't quit. Hear that. Go before the Lord. Pray to Him. Tell Him you're not desirous. Ask Him to search you and know you and try you and save you. Because if the Spirit is present in you, He's going to put a desire for His truth in you because that's what He works through to bring you to Christ and to grow you in Christ. And if, and if you're not in it, and if you don't desire to be, there's a problem. Imagine this. Imagine you have 
I'm trying to bring everybody into this. Kids, imagine you're, you're doing this for your parents. Or young folks, you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend you're going to do this for. Or you're married and you're doing this for your spouse. Imagine you go and buy flowers and a card and you take them home and put them on the table for that significant other in your life. And maybe they even thank you for it. But they never pick it up. They never open the card. They never water the flowers. And eventually they just die. And the card is still laying on the table, sealed. Is that an indication of a healthy relationship? You're trying to express love and appreciation to this person, but the card and the flowers stay where you left them. They never open it. It's a relationship problem. That's love grown cold. That's a lack of love. That's presumption. That's all sorts of things. Boy, if somebody you really care about brings you a card flowers or whatever it is. I mean, you can't wait to get into that. Now, I know the Bible is just God's love letter to me. Now, I'm not going all there, but I'm just saying it's just an illustration to show love invests. Love invests. And it does it out of love, not out of obligation. And He has left us His Word. And He promises us it's pure and true. And it's confirmed by His resurrection. And He says, if you're My disciples, you will be in this book. And if I don't do that, it's no fault of His. It's showing me that I have a problem in my heart. I'm either lost and don't know it, or maybe I know it, or I'm you know, old-timey language, backslidden or whatever, because Christians can grow cold. That's why you can't do this in isolation. We need, we need people to help us. But if I don't have any desire, if I'm not in His Word, if it's not dwelling in me richly, that's a symptom of a relationship problem. If you don't have interest in God's Word, you have a relationship problem with Jesus. And I don't want to just leave you feeling guilty about it this morning. I want you to repent. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Begin again to love Him. Get that first love back. Review, not review, not just the law and all your duty, but review the gospel and what Christ, how Christ has loved you. And if you, if you can look at the fact that Christ left the throne and was put in a manger, was born under His own law, fulfilled all righteousness, died to pay the penalty for our sins, which wasn't just physical death, but wrath of God poured out on Him, drank that cup dry, went through the gate for us, was raised the third day and gives us eternal life as a free gift. If that doesn't produce love in your heart for Jesus... There's a stone in there instead of a true heart. So run to Him. But, but here's the command for Christians, those who know Jesus. If you're claiming to follow Jesus or trust in Him, if you claim to be a believer, remember it's the same thing. God in love says to you, pig out on my word. 
Be gorged by my word. Let it dwell in you richly. Don't just pick it up every once in a while. And don't just have a read through the Bible, Bible list where you just read through it, check it off. Praise God, I'm going about my business. Be in it to know him. Be in it to love him and to serve him and to be changed by him because his spirit works through the word to grow us in grace. Some of us are treating Jesus like the example of leaving the card on the table by never or even or just occasionally picking up the word or just thinking, I'll just go to church on Sunday. Jeff will preach the word to me. That's enough for me for the week. That's a good way to get a cult leader to drag you down the wrong road. You better be a Berean and checking your Bible for what I say. If you are a disciple and you're not thirsty for His Word and not regularly in His Word, that should break your heart. And I know there's some teachers out there that have you looking everywhere else but regular, diligent study of His Word and just ignore them. You see, Jesus calls us to be disciple in the Word. Octavius Winslow. Listen, a lot of these old dead guys, which are not dead, they're in Jesus' presence, are much better to read in the, than the contemporary people. But Octavius Winslow, he's born in 1808, died in 1878. A contemporary at part of this with Charles Spurgeon. He said, the diligent and prayerful. You want to know how to read? Diligently and prayerfully. The diligent and prayerful reading of God's holy word is a great means of increasing and promoting spirituality of mind. This, we fear, is not an element in the Christianity of many. It defines a duty, sad, sadly and to a great extent, totally neglected. But a true disciple of Jesus won't neglect it. Listen, some of you and, and young, young people, kids, don't get Twitterized. What do I mean by that? Am I saying don't use Twitter? I'm not saying that, although I wouldn't be very careful. But Twitter is 140 characters, right? And so if we're not careful, we, we, all we can read is just this little short piece, and it has to be stimulating and fun and exciting. But we can't read a book. We can't read a chapter. We can't even read a paper. Because we, we're used to that changing stimulation all the time. If your brain has been Twitterized, you can untwitterize it by simply challenging to yourself to read more. You don't have to start reading a hundred chapters. You don't even have to start reading a whole chapter. But if you're used to reading a paragraph, read two. Then read three. Then read four. And you'll grow in your comprehension and your ability to read. A lot of people say, well, I'm just not a reader. Your creator says different. He didn't give you a movie, although a lot of them have been made. He gave you a book. Therefore, you're a reader. You may not be practiced in it. You might struggle with it. You might need help with it. You might need a different Bible translation. Whatever. But you are a reader. So work at it. You know, saying I'm not a reader and just giving up when I try to read. I, I can remember when I first started reading thinking... You know, I've gone three paragraphs and I don't remember what the first two said. Seriously. Because before being converted, I was not a reader. I never read a book from cover to cover until I was saved. 
Don't know how I made it through school. God's grace. But work at it. You know, saying I can't do it because you maybe try and you forget. It's like going to the gym and saying, well, look, that guy's lifting 400 pounds. I can't do that, so I just might as well not work out. Well, if you lift one pound today and two tomorrow and three the next day and work up to it, maybe you, not all of us can ever get to the place where we can lift 400 pounds, but you grow in it. That's my point. Spurgeon said this, do try, dear friends. Now watch Spurgeon, love Spurgeon. Do try, dear friends, to get so full of the word of Christ that all form, in all forms of it that you may run over with it. That's where we to be pressing in. God bless me and help me to be able to read and understand your word so that I can grow in your grace, that I can get to know you and faithfully follow my Savior. Following Jesus means having His Word dwelling richly and growingly in you. A little bit of application, I'm done. True disciples are followers of Christ, live in the Word. They read it and heed it. They do it together. Think about the disciples following Jesus. He didn't just take one for a while, and then another one for a while, and then another one for a while. Mm -mm. It was community around Christ on the dusty roads of Palestine. We need community around Christ to grow in grace. The original disciples traveled in a group and discussed what they heard Jesus teach. In other words, they grew together. And listen, if you've not read the Gospels, which I'm going to encourage you to do, it will encourage you as you read, and, and especially Peter, and uh, you'll see some knuckleheads that Christ chose and used and grew in grace and made great followers. You read the Bible and you'll see, you know, people God chose, and they didn't really have it all figured out. And they had a lot of weak spots. But what I want to challenge you to today, after just briefly showing you that a true disciple abides in his word, and his word is to abide in us through not just reading, but diligently and systematically reading, memorizing, studying, being part of all phases and forms of getting it in our hearts. What I want to do for you and challenge you to this morning is just plead with you, let's grow together this year. Let's grow together this year. Let's help one another grow. Let's, let's talk about what we're learning. Let's, let's participate together. And so what I've, what I've done is put together a reading plan called Walking with Jesus. And all it is is the Gospels and not all of the epistles. But what we'll do is we'll read through a Gospel, then we'll read through a, an epistle. Then we'll read through another Gospel, then we'll read through an epistle. We'll end up, over the next year, we'll end up going through the Gospels four times. And selected epistles, you know... Once, I think. But it's a very easy plan, and I want to beg, with, I want to beg you. If, if you're a reader and you're already going to read through it in a year, just add this to it. It won't be a big deal to you. You can already read that much. It's just one chapter a day. And my goal for our reading with this chapter is, yes, to read it individually, but maybe, parents, you decide to do that with your kids. Okay, today's the time, today, the time we're going to do our reading. And you read a chapter with your children and you talk about it. Or with your spouse or however you want to do that. But there's a new reading plan on the website and Sarah's put it up there. You can download the PDF. If you need a printed copy, let me know. You can do that live stream through email, whatever. If you need a printed copy or you need a link. But if you go to the website, gracechurchcc.com, 
and you scroll down, it's right there on the first page. It's the reading plan on the right. And it's a very easy one. So it's on the website. You can download it there. You can go there every day if you want to and go through it. Or we will print you a copy if you let us know. Or you can print your own copy. But if you need printed copies, let me know. I'll eventually, I'll, I meant to do it today, but I didn't. That's why I'm telling you to let me know. But this reading plan, the goal is for us all to read it together. So that we talk about it with one another, we talk about it with our kids, and we talk about it as we meet together. It'll be one chapter a day, that's all, in the, in the plan. So look at the plan. If you have questions, let me know. But please do this. I am so excited about this. I am so excited for us to read together, talk together, learn together, and ask questions together. What about this? There'll be some times like that, and we can, we can learn through that. So please, please commit to reading with us that plan this year. And then we're going to have a weekly memory verse. And we'll go over this every Sunday at some point. Announcements or reading, Scripture reading time. But this coming up week, we need one, right? Because we're going to start on the first. And if you don't have a copy of the plan, I'm going to make it easy for you. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is Matthew 1, Matthew 2, Matthew 3. No excuses. Matthew 1, Matthew 2, Matthew 3. And this will be the memory verse for this week, and I'll bet you, you all almost have it already memorized. I'm trying to make an easy entry here. Matthew 1, 21. Have a slide on that? We just came through Christmas. She will bear a son, Mary... And you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. The reason he was named Jesus, Hebrew, Yeshua, Joshua, that might ring a bell. The Lord is salvation is the meaning. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And look at me. You can memorize that. I just can't memorize scripture. You just ain't tried. Not, and you may have certain challenges in your life that make it different for you. You have to find ways to do that. But God will bless you and help you to do that. So let's over between now and next Sunday, let's memorize that Matthew one twenty one. See, it's not hard. You probably all already have that one memorized, so yay. And then we're going to have a weekly catechism question. You say, what is catechism? It's, it's simply a question and answer format that summarizes what Scripture teaches. The catechism itself has no authority. It's just a teaching tool that shows us what Scripture teaches. Scripture in, and in Christ is where the authority is. But for next week, memorize question number one of the Westminster Shorter Catechism. What is that? What is the chief end of man? What is... <laughs> Say it again. To glorify God... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without His grace, there's no enjoyment. Trust me. But what is the chief end of man? What is our highest purpose? Why did God create us? To glorify Him and enjoy Him. God is concerned about our joy. So dads and moms, lead your family through this. It's a great time to start family worship. We have some new books over here that will help you start that. And just use this as your content. Pick, listen, pick an accountability partner. And not one that's going to help you justify your failure. Pick a, an accountability partner that will ask you, are you, you know, how are we doing? Let's, let's talk about it. 
Include this in your conversations and please pray into this. Listen, I promise you, if you will do, if you, even if you don't do anything else, if you will do this simple plan, if you'll read through this reading plan with us and memorize the verses that we suggest or do your best to memorize them and the, and the questions that we're going to put forth one a week, if we'll, we'll have gone through the Gospels four times. We will have memorized 52 verses of Scripture and we'll have memorized 52 great questions and answers. Do the best you can, but please do the reading plan and tr attempt the other things. But I'm, I'm really excited. If you'll do this, you'll probably grow more in the coming year than you've ever grown in a year in your life. And this is as close as we can get to being like those first disciples and walking around Israel with Jesus. Because everything we need to know that He taught them is here in the Word, and we'll get that as we do. I'm really excited about this, and I'm begging you to do it with me. Please, please do it. You say, I don't know if it's God's will. I need to pray about it. It's God's will. <laughs> you pray about the other things, whether or not you do those. This is God's will because Jesus is asking you to abide in His Word and your pastor is trying to help you do that. It's God's will. Please participate with us. The more we're in His Word and the more His Word is in us, and the more it's dwelling richly in us, the more stable we will walk, the more peaceful we will be, and the more faithful to Jesus we will be. Jesus said this as He prayed for those disciples who were with Him before He was crucified. And in this prayer, if you read it, you'll see that He expands that prayer to everyone who will believe in Him through their Word all the way down to us. Jesus says this, I have given them your Word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. That's going to increase, especially in this country just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Now watch what he asks. Sanctify them in or by the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, he's talking about self-sacrifice, cross, that they may also be sanctified. In truth. Do you pass the test? Are you His disciple? Will you be? Now doing our reading plan don't make you His disciple or prove that you are, but abiding in His Word does. Will you abide in His Word? Will you be shaped by His teaching this year? Are you willing to follow Christ in that way? If you're not a believer... If you're not a disciple, today is the day of repentance and commitment. If you are a believer and you are a disciple, then today is the day of recommitment. Recommitment that 2021 will be a year of intense discipleship and growth by abiding in His Word and being filled with His Word and His Spirit. You, if you look at the parallel passage in Ephesians 5, here it says be filled with the Word and there it says be filled with the Spirit. Why? The Spirit works through the Word to accomplish His purpose. Will you hear Jesus when He says, follow me? Let's walk closely with Jesus together this coming year and see what glorious things He does in His church. Let's live in and be shaped by His Word as we live in Him and are shaped by Him.
He works through His Word. Let's do all of this out of love for Him, seeking to glorify Him because of His grace to us in Christ. Hear Him as He says, follow me. To live is Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we are insufficient for these things. Left to our own selves, we will wander rather than wonder. So we pray that you, Lord, every child of God listening to me, be they very young or very old or in between, reignite that passion and thirst for you and thirst for your word. Lord, draw us increasingly into your truth. Whatever, wherever our level is, let us push in and press in further. Bless us and help us to do this reading together this year and to grow in it. To memorize your word and grow in it. To memorize what the truth is of your word through the catechism questions. So that we'll be stronger believers, more faithful, more stable, more joyful, more peaceful believers because your word is dwelling in us richly and that we will overflow to those around us and tell them how they too can know this glorious, gracious Savior. Lord, save those who don't know you. Sanctify those who do. And Lord, we say it every Sunday to live as Christ, but may that be a good and accurate and growing description of our hearts and lives, that for us you are life. Because for us you took death. You paid for our sins. You were raised from the grave. You've delivered us so that we have eternal hope in you. Help us to rest in hope in you. Jesus, help us to follow you. We give you praise and honor and glory. Looking to you and asking it, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And by your spirit. Amen.